for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, welcome back to Elk Camp, guys. You know, to be confident in accomplishing a task, you either have to have done it 100 times or more, or you need a solid plan that can lead you to success. Same goes for hunting elk with a bow or with a rifle. You know, if you have a plan, a solid strategy, then my friend, you're in business. You know, our goal is to help you develop confidence with solid elk hunting strategies. And today's focus will be on bow strategies. Next week, we'll help you with your rifle hunting strategies. So y'all, let's get down to business. Pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Elk Camp. If this is your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show this week. It's going to be a good one. And for those of you blue-collar hunters that are following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you from Houston, Texas, and we got our elk, camp, elk coaches in the house from we are. New Mexico. Yes, sir. Joe, Chav, before we get started, it's time for our Elk Bros shout-outs. Yep. Uh, just for a few cities and most of our listeners are grinded out and topping our charts this week. Yep, here we go, man. Up first, home to the oldest operating theater in the country, top in our chart this week, Ottawa, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, Ottawa. Uh, next up are our listeners from the city that Intel built, our very own Rio Rancho, New Mexico. The Rio Rancho Rams, buddy. 
<laughs> and the awesome. Cleveland Storm. Oh, that's yeah. And headed to the east, guys, listening from the heart of the Gold Coast, Pompano Beach, Florida. North of Queens, the northernmost of the five boroughs, a big western shout-out goes to, I couldn't believe this, Bronx, New York. We got boys doing? in Bronx wanting to elk hunt, man. Come on, y'all. How, how you doing? <laughs> we love all them, our Bronx brothers up there, the Yankees and all of them. And to the cleanest of our listeners, because they are the home of the world-famous Museum of Clean, a big shout-out to Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah, Pocatello. Oh, I hope so my good. wife does not hear about that museum, dude. That's all I'm saying. Because <laughs> we'll be visiting that puppy. Yeah, we'll now. be there next summer or the, <laughs> before the summer's over. That's awesome. Y'all going to go up to Idaho, huh? <laughs> well, you never know, man. But she hears that there's a place that has the Museum a of museum. Clean. She's going. <laughs> That's cool. She might be just sending us one-way flight. <laughs> well, we sure appreciate all of our – all of our grinders out there that help us top the charts every week. It's, it's growing. Uh, we got you guys to think about it, but, uh, boys, time to get down to business. Let's help our bow hunters with some solid strategy. Here we go. Joe, I mean, how does your basic hunting strategy change throughout the bow season? So really it doesn't Gilbert. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's early season, late season, it doesn't matter what the weather, any of that, I still always have my basic goals of what I'm trying to do, the rules that I follow, my basic call sequence, and how I'm going to hunt my morning, how I'm going to hunt my midday, and how I'm going to hunt the afternoon. So it really doesn't matter what time of year, if I'm solo or if I'm teamed up. Here's here's how I put everything, and it's real easy for everybody to follow. Just listen closely here. My goals going to be, I'm going to locate, I'm going to work the wind, I'm going to cut the distance, determine the attitude of the elk, work the bull, and then close the deal. That's the succession of what I'm trying to do. Now, there's things that happen inside that, but that's what I'm trying to do. I want to locate, I'm going to, once I have something sounding off, I'm going to win, win, win. Remember, we talked huge about scent before. If we don't work that win, nothing's going to happen. Cut that distance. And, you know, Chav, Gilbert, you've both been with me. When it's time to cut, you get moving. And I think that's one of the, one of the problems a lot of guys have when they come from whitetail country is that they really worry about making noise when they're trying to cut that distance. And, you know, elk are big animals, they make noise, and you're out there. And, and when I say cut that distance, you know, I want to I wanna try to get in there to that 150, uh, if I can push a little tighter, depending on what the topography is doing, but I want to cut that distance. And while I'm doing that, I'm listening to this guy, and I'm determining what the attitude is. And, well, you know, is he passive? Is he being aggressive? Is he still moving away? Is he standing his ground? Am I hearing lip balls? Am I hearing, you know, those are the types of things that are going to tell me about attitude. And once I have that and I've determined his attitude, then I start working him and I try to tell my story. And once I get that, then from there, it's all about, and once I'm working it and I'm in my setup, in my setup, man, now I'm doing all my rules for closing the deal. I'm finding my shooting lanes. I'm making sure I'm in front of cover. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm, doing all of those things, prepping mentally, 
prepping physically, getting everything set to give myself the best opportunity to close that deal. Yeah, I think a, a good point you made there, especially for beginners, is uh, when you set up, don't set up behind a tree. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Set up in front of the tree. And I know you're thinking, well, the elk's going to see me. But if the cover's good, you're broken up. But if you're behind the tree, you're not going to get a shot or your shot selection is limited. Very limited then. Right. Right. I know last year we had uh, one of our one yeah. of our buddies drew back, but he was standing behind a tree. Right. And uh, he had a, what, 20-yard shot? Or oh, less? no, no, no. Uh, we're talking eight yards. Eight, eight yards. Eight yards. <laughs> eight yards. I saw the video. Yeah, eight yards. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Um, Chab and I, in that, in that whole instance, Chab and I had an opportunity to harvest a bull but had we been behind the set of trees that were in front of us, we would have never gotten a shot opportunity. Exactly. Sure. We positioned ourselves and we had bulls within feet of us. I mean, right. three to five feet, you know, and uh, they came walking down towards us. And uh, I couldn't believe how close they got. And we're in front of the cover. Right. But we right. blended really well. Right. And, and we, the wind, we kind of had the wind. Those, doing what those we alcohol, do. I don't know. You guys could blend, man. <laughs> man I'll tell you, we look like two bushes ourselves. And uh, I couldn't believe it because yeah, they, I mean, they even looked at us for a long time. You Ooh, know, like, ugly boy. Yeah, we were, we were like yeah. quaking, uh, quaking ass. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like ready to die. You know, I can't breathe. I can't move. I can't do anything. And just looking down at us like we're an innate object, right? So the other thing is our camo and then how we use the wind. The other right. thing is, is guys, you have to pay attention to your environment too. Like, you know, people have heard us talk about how we like to get down on our knees. And that's because <clears throat> where we hunt. Now, if you're an oak brush, that's a different story. A lot of times you're having to stand up. Uh, just to be able to get shots, depending on what that oak brush is doing. If it's oak brush is going up higher or if it's down low stuff. But, you know, for us, our pines, our jack pines, and our pines usually start branching out about five foot up. So a lot of times for us, it's better for us on our knees. Or guys in other areas, if they have real high canopy, they probably want to stand if they have a lot of ground growth. Right. Yeah. I think the only drawback to being on your knees is you're not super mobile, right? You can't move position where you, if you could move a position to better your position, it's real hard to get up and down. But for me, I shoot better from my knees. So you if know, I'm shooting at distance, man, I'm dead. I, from my I've knees. never had that. I've never really had that mobile problem. Generally, I, that's only, it's just yeah. from my perception that right. if, if I needed to, you know, get somewhere quickly to improve my shot, then, you know, I might, it might take me a little longer with more movement to get right. up. You know what I mean? But when I, if I have one that's circling, man, I just <clears throat> use those knees and just kind of, yeah. and, and it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't make any noise. I've cleared, cleared my area, lets me rotate. So right. that kind of works out. Like a so, swivel. Yeah, kind yeah. of a swivel there. So those were the goals. Locate, work the wind, cut the distance, determine attitude, work the bull, and close the deal. My rules. These are my rules that I kind of live by as my, with my hunting strategy. I want to work with the wind either in my face or going perpendicular. And, you know, for example, if I'm working down a ridge line and those thermals are going down, you know, there's also prevailing winds. So I can have prevailing wind that's coming. I can have thermals falling. I want that to be 
coming from perpendicular side to me. Uh, I, uh, I always try to do that if the, if the thermal's changing, they're coming up, and I want those prevailing winds in my face or perpendicular to me. So by doing that, I'm able to, to cover a lot of area, and at the same time that I'm covering it, I get a chance to use my nose. So, so I'm going to work with the wind in my face or perpendicular. I want to move quietly and be able to hear. I'm going to pause, listen, call, listen three to 15 minutes, anywhere three to five to 15. It just kind of depends on if I'm smelling something, if I'm seeing sign or, or what's happening, you know, as I'm doing that. So I'm going to listen three to five to 15 minutes and then I'm going to move again. And, and I, I can't, express enough that it's so important to be quiet as you're moving and not worrying about elk hearing you but so you can hear them so that you can hear the different noises they make so you're going to use your ears while you're moving you want to listen for branches breaking rocks rolling you know you want to listen for any raking any fighting cow calls grunts you know or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. calf calls, or if you have a bugle that's way far off, you know, mm-hmm. it's real easy to, to miss those sounds. So use your ears, stay quiet, as quiet as possible. Make sure that you're pausing at times and make sure when you call, you're giving it a chance to hear what's going to happen. You don't want people getting in their packs and stuff like that. Uh, another rule, use the nose. You know, always be sniffing that wind. If you catch a whiff of them and it's either fresh from urine on the ground right, or it's because you're actually smelling animals that are upwind from you and now you get to turn, hunt into the wind, maybe do some cow call sequences at that point in time, you know, uh, but use that nose. The other one is use your vision. Uh, if you're cow calling, you're making calls, you could have animals sneaking in. Look for those horizontal lines, you know, look for out-of-place colors. Make sure that you're looking for sign. Look for fresh rubs. Look for fresh track. Look for fresh droppings. So, yeah, you know, when, when Chav and I got in on those bulls, what tipped us, tipped us <laughs> off is we didn't even, we didn't even see them. Uh, we actually heard a few cow mews before we ever got there. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just – we knew that we could hear the cow mewing so we were like, man, we're, we're pretty close. And these bulls were silent. They didn't say a word, right? And there right. were five or six in that group that were shooter bulls. For me, it really didn't matter. If one of those cows would have messed up. They'd have got the, they'd have got the missile too. But at the, <laughs> end of the, at the end of the day, we were alerted to their position because we were easing through the woods just listening, you know, using the wind and just listening. And, man, we, before we knew it, we were surrounded by them. You know, they just kind of fed around us and we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to implode here at any moment. But it was, uh, it was pretty wild how we just got right in the middle of it. So you had that early season and those bulls are following those cows. Those cows are determined where they're going. They're going where they want to go. Right. And so those young bulls right there, they weren't quite feeling it yet at the time. So they were just following the cows as they go. Okay. Um, so there's the rules. I have my goals, have the rules. Wind, quiet, use the ears, use the nose, use the vision. That's what I'm thinking as I'm moving. Now, my location call sequence, 
So remember, I said, I'm locating. So my call sequence is that I'm trying to create a story. And one thing I don't want to be doing is I don't want to be telling an aggressive story immediately. So I don't want my calls to come across as being aggressive. In the early season, Joe, are you talking about early season or can you, can you, can you elaborate more on pre-rut versus rut? Uh, It doesn't matter. Okay. Whether it's pre-rut or rut, uh, the first thing I want to do is, you know, I've always said and told guys, man, when you think about these elk, are they wanting to be a lover? They want to be a fighter. Well, if they're wanting to be a lover, and you're coming in the door and you're screaming at them and right. yeah, <laughs> and, scaring them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I'd always rather start with something sweet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and that's how I do that. So it doesn't matter what time of year. Remember, I want to locate and then at some point I'm going to determine the attitude and I'm going to change what's going on. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, create that story, stay passive. So what I'm going to do first, before I do anything, when I stop to call, is I'm going to cow call and I'm going to cow call without my grunt tube. I'm, eh. I might even do a little, eh, eh, and kind of throw it different ways. But I want to do just a regular cow call because now I'm checking close distance. Yeah, proximity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be something real close. And I don't want to give a real loud cow call, uh, cow call that they think is way far ahead of me or, or blows them out of there. So I'm going to cow call without the tube. Next, I don't get a response. I'm going to cow call with my tube because now I want some volume and I'm going to send it in a direction. Okay. And a lot of times, especially early season, you do that cow call over an area, you get a bull's response out of that. All right. Um, if I don't get anything with the cow call with the tube, uh, I might, you know, if I don't get a cow call with that, if I don't get a, a response, a, a bull bugling with that, um, now I'm going to go to a location bugle. Or I'm going to chuckle. And sometimes it's funny because, you know, I have people ask what a location bugle is, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's basically just that nice, relaxed bugle. It's not, it's not a quick scream. It's just nice, easy, drawn-out bugle where you get that. Yeah, you want to get to that real high note and let that extend. Because there's a lot of times I don't even do the bottom. There's times I just go. I just jump to that high note right away. Yeah. Uh, so because that's the note that they're going to hear way off. And and I'll even I'll do it and I'll kind of move my tube from one side to the other, make sure I'm broadcasting that thing. Okay. Uh, so. I, I can do that. Uh, I can chuckle as well if you're finding out that some of these guys aren't answering to bugles, but you hear them chuckling instead. Sometimes I'll start with a chuckle before I actually do the location bugle, okay, because both of those are not aggressive calls. It's just like, here I am. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Okay. And then if I don't get anything with that, Every now and then, uh, I'm going to scream my double bugle, which I gave in the, in the last podcast that yeah, we're doing that was here. Awesome. So I'm going up, I'm reaching my high note, and just as I start to drop down out of that high note, I go right back up into another real high note, and it I sounds like it, it sounds like two bulls answering each other. Yep. Okay, 
And to me, the message and the story that that sends and why you'll get another bull to answer that is, is, oh, they're not screaming at me. They're screaming at each other. And, and sometimes that just, uh, it energizes them. It, uh, it creates that, that excitement and, and man, they just can't help themselves sometimes. I think you were with me one time. We were trying to, we had a bull that was giving us a bugle and we just could not remember. We just could not pinpoint that son of a gun as he was moving. And I give a location bugle, nothing. Right. I give a location bugle, nothing. I give that double bugle. Yeah. And he'd come right back at us. Right back at us. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, mm -mm, you ain't doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's such good content guys, really good stuff for our viewers and our, our grinders at home. You know, uh, this is fantastic stuff. I want to recommend, you know, I want to ask everybody out there, please subscribe to our, to Elk Bros podcast. And any questions you might have, you can email us at info at elkbros.com. That's info. Rate us. Yeah, that's info, I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. <laughs> uh, subscribe, rate, and review. It's, it's really important for us to, to, to get our ratings up and everything. And you guys out there, this is such good content from Joe. And I, I've been privileged to hunt with these guys for 10 years. And everything he's telling you is spot on. I've lived it. You know, I'm a product of it. There's one right there. The first bull I ever killed in my life is right behind me just because of what Joe and I did that afternoon. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm a product of that. And all of this stuff is such fantastic content, Joe. Yeah. Well, uh, you kind of threw me there when you spelled that info. You got to remember, I'm I'm a, I'm a backwoods boy, so I, I kind of lost that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, being an educator, Joe, I figured you could spell. <laughs> Be quiet, man. Uh, yeah, no. So, hey, uh, you know, guys, I know you you have got such good information, and and we just want to keep that funneling in the right way. So. That's why I wanted to, you know, jump back in there and let everybody know that Joe and Chav are our elk coaches out of Cimarron, New Mexico, uh, and myself here out of Spring, Texas. So if y'all hear some things, Joe and I both been a little under the weather, so we apologize oh, for that. I'm trying not call to cough for, everybody out. <laughs> we're not trying to cough everybody out. So I think uh, Chav gave it to me because he had it. Like <laughs> I had it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting way too close, boys. Different version, I think. Yeah. I, it was funny. I started to get my voice back just yesterday. I had I'd lost my voice for two days. <clears throat> and uh, I bet Rhett liked that. Uh, my, my wife was celebrating for those two days. <laughs> uh, so, that's awesome. so we've talked about the goals. Yes. I've said what my rules are, and I've given the location call sequence. So Lead us into the hunt, Joe. Yeah. When, 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 when you listen to the parts we've given already, the goal locate. Now you know what the call sequence is. Work the wind. Well, you know how I'm wanting the wind to be. I'm either wanting it to be in my face or per- perpendicular, right? Okay. Cutting the distance. Get the heck out of Dodge and get after that animal. Now, remember something, though. There's times that that bull will sound like he's right on top of you. And then all of a sudden, it sounds like he's another 100, 200 yards away. And you'll start hauling after them. Well, sometimes it depends which direction they're facing when they when they call to you. So be real careful with that. All right. Okay. So here's the strategies on how to hunt. What I do now. This is just me. There's a lot of guys that do might do things other. This is my basic strategy. 
And if you guys want to use it, go for it. So how I hunt the morning, the midday, and the evening. In the morning. What's that, Gilbert? I see no, you. I just, you. All I wanted to say is <laughs> this strategy that you're giving out is, is it 34 for 36 or 31 for 34? I mean. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been like 33 elk in the last 35 years. But Okay, 33 out of 35, guys. And one of those years you didn't draw. So at the end of the day, you can't count that. This is what I'm talking about. These strategies, they're flawless, right? Well, I mean, so it's so important for our listeners to, to listen. There's a lot of people that do these strategies and uh, and do a lot of right things that don't come out. I've, I've, been, I've been very fortunate. I've managed to capitalize in, in a lot of situations. Uh, I've had, uh, um, you know, I, I consider, you know, my lucky star sometimes too, you know, so uh, – but at the same time, uh, along with these, we've talked about all those other things about how hard we work, how hard we prep, how much we shoot. So all of these things, guys, that we talk about to build your elk hunting confidence, you know, now we're at the strategies. This is the part where I think a lot of people get lost because they shoot great. They're in great shape. They're doing their calls and they're just like, okay, so what do I do? So here we go in the morning. What I want to do is, first of all, in the morning, I'm out there way before daylight. Again, I want to locate, work the wind, cut the distance. If I can do that in the dark and be on that animal at daylight, that's my goal. Uh, because we're hunting state land, and we are hunting what I call high-use areas. So there's a lot of movement in those areas and there's things that I'm going to do there that some guys might not do in low use areas. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that when I talk about the bedroom, but I want to be out there before everybody, you know, if those people in their sleeping bag, sleeping good and nice and comfortable, better for me. Right. No doubt. Yeah. So, they had a Remember, too li much libation that morning. Good, good for y'all. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the fresh air. So remember that the elk are going from the meadows, parks, or feeding areas because sometimes in our instance that can be oak brush areas. It's you know, it's still vision and low brush and with some higher stuff. It's not an open park, but they're eating. They feel safe. They're and and they're in those areas. So. They're going from those areas, and they're moving off to their bedroom, the sanctuaries, right? And uh, that's where they're going to bed for the day. They'd like to get there and <coughs> – excuse me, I'm sorry. They want to get up there uh, on the side of the hill so that when those thermal switch, they're up there where they're good and protected. So I want to work from high points in the topography uh, if I can, if – if it's a, an area with a lot of ridges, high ridges, mountainous ridges, I want to work up as high as I can at that point. And it sounds weird because you're like, well, the elk are down in the bottoms. Well, they're only going to be down there for so long, man. Uh, and they're going to start heading up. But I want to get up high or I want to be from a third to a halfway from the top where my calls can travel, especially in that early morning when it's dark, I'm going to send those sounds out across everything, I'm going to broadcast. 
right? I've been with you when we hit it and we shouldn't have done it. (laughs) They were on us in the dark. (laughs) Yeah. And and that can happen. You know, that's, that's one of those reasons I said, give that quiet cow call first. And, and then, you know, I mean, if you're out there two hours before daylight and all of a sudden they scream off a hundred yards from you, it's like, Oh man. All right. Let's sit down for a few hours. Let's back off. Right. (laughs) I remember a couple of years back, you and I easing up through the woods It's dark. I mean, could hardly see. And, we cow call a couple times, and I'm like, man, I, can, I know I saw something move up ahead. <laughs> yeah. I tap Joe, 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 Joe. I think I see an elk up ahead of us. <laughs> he looked out there, and he goes, it is an elk. <laughs> man, he goes, good eyes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. We walked right into the middle of the herd and had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't do all awesome. didn't do any talking, man. But they were comfortable because even though we were making noise, right? Because we were making elk noises, they it just kept them settled down. So cool. think about what I'm saying. I want to be at the top to a third to a half of the way from the top. Because number one, I want to be up there where my sound can carry. And if there's elk that sound off way up ahead of us and they start heading up the ridge from where they're at, then if they come up halfway to a third all the way up there, now we're on even keel right there. We're at the same level. And now I've got thermals that even if those thermals are falling to their noses, you know, I'm, I've got those animals ahead of me and I'm doing good. My wind is exactly what I need. Okay. Yeah, so, for sure. If I'm in the bottom, if something happens and I end up in the bottom, and that can you can come out of one area and you can end up in, in a park or a meadow in another area, and an animal sounds off, <clears throat> as I start going to that animal, I want to start gaining in elevation. I don't want to stay down in the bottom of that park unless it's still dark. If it's still dark, I can move in some, but I'm going to move in from the trees. I'm not going to get in too tight. Because if I can get on that bull still at that time, right at daylight, I'm at his level. He's not going to be going up into the trees at that time. So that's one point that I might do that. Okay. Makes sense. So so just think about that. All right. That's the morning. You're right. And I know that uh, right around 930, 10 o'clock, people start heading back to camp for lunch. And, uh, you know, we hear the four-wheelers big time. <laughs> and uh, I know midday's a different situation for you. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or yeah. for us, because yeah. I've been with you a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So you go, know, with, go with that. We, okay, we'll, we'll go to midday. But, you know, I want you guys to think, too, when I – the way I've always faced it when I'm out hunting elk is I try to act like an elk. I try to yeah. think like an elk. If I get hungry – I eat. If I get thirsty, I drink. Drink. Mm -hmm. If I get tired, I sleep Mm -hmm. right there in the woods. Now, I've had elk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We woke up to them. Yeah, right around us. Yes, walking right around us. But, you know, just spend time out in those woods. And midday, here's what happens is any of those bulls that are with cows – they start pushing their cows. Actually, you know, they are kind of with them. They're following their cows. If they have a bull that comes in on them, they'll start nudging and pushing those cows. But that bull's going to go where the cows want to go. But as they start going up and they get to their bedding area, 
if it's pre-rut, those bulls haven't had to do a whole lot of it. But if it's in the rut, the whole time, all night long, those bulls have been fending off satellites. They've been fighting other bulls. They've been pushing their cows. I mean, just work, work, work. And in fact, they work so much during the rut, those animals will lose between 100 to 200 pounds of body weight from where they were in the summer or the beginning of that early season to that late rut. I mean, it's just really hard on them. So once they get up and their cows are bedded, that's the time that those bulls have for recovery time. You know, it's kind of, you know, parents, it's kind of like when you put the kids to bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put the kids to bed. Now you got some time. You can go get something out of the fridge. You can watch a little TV. Right. So that's their recovery yeah. time, man. They know where their cows are. So now they're going to go off. They're going to eat some. That's the time you can find them going to Wallers. They can go to close water. And that's actually the time that you can pull those bulls off away from those cows because he knows where they're at. Mm-hmm. So that midday is a great time to have an opportunity at a bull. Um, that midday, I have, we talked about sanctuaries and bedrooms. So when you guys, when you hear us talk about bedrooms, it's just that. That's where those animals feel safe, where they're going to go, where they're going to nap it for the day, um, where the bulls are, have a chance to feed. The cows are going to be there, and they're going to they're chew off the rest of the day until they get up again. Well, I work those areas differently from high-use areas to low-use areas. And when I'm talking about high-use areas, you know, a lot of these areas where we hunt in northern New Mexico, there's all of these trails going through, or there's ATV stuff, or there's UTV stuff, Mm -hmm. or there's cattle being worked. Um, So there, there are areas where the elk have a lot of encounters with humans. Yeah, loggers, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Exactly. So in those areas, they act a little differently. And if it's an area where there's a lot of hunters in that area, then I hunt bedrooms. If it's a low-use area where there's not a lot of pressure and I don't have to worry about those animals getting boogered out of that, then – I'm different. Then I want to hunt the transition areas around those bedrooms to be able to try to pull those bulls from that when they come off their cows. What do you consider the bedroom during midday? So it's going to be those dark timber areas. They they really um, they like those uh, north facing slopes that stay real dark, uh, that stay real moist. Um, I've, I've seen other people say, well, I'm hunting an area that doesn't really have any north face <clears throat> slopes. Well, even if it doesn't have it that way, a lot of times there's, there's um, ridges that run off that they'll kind of have a northeast slope or mm-hmm. they'll have something in there where they'll gather or up there. Steep ravine. Yeah, steep ravine. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll have that. But basically, if you listen to the elk, they're going to take you to their bedroom. When they come out of the parks, if you listen to those, because there's a lot of guys that say, well, I'm bugling at the bull and they're running away from me. And <laughs> they're not running away from you. It's just, just going with their cows. 
yeah, they're going where the cows want to go, and the cows yeah. want to go to bed. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah. They're already moving up. They're already moving up. They beat so, us again, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, that's a prime opportunity. Don't think <coughs> – excuse me. Don't think that those animals uh, are running away from you because of your bugle or anything like that. They're going to where they want to go. That's a great, great opportunity to just get after it. If, if you know the area and you have an idea where they're going, you can actually beat them to that area. If you don't, you can just follow them on the downwind part, put them to bed, get off of that animal, and then, man, you have an opportunity to try to pull them off the cows later on, okay, once they get set in. Right. So that, that's what I mean by the bedroom. You, and, I mean, we have found places that, once you find a location where elk like to bed, it's basically those sanctuaries are some of the same places they like to go year after year. You know, it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and we know, we know where they are, where we hunt, you know, right. we know where those bedrooms are. And um, those are, those are areas that, uh, you know, it takes a certain situation to hunt them. Sure. Now, if it's a high use area, I will hunt the bedrooms, especially if we have one of those years that's really, really hot, uh, where they're going in the trees early, uh, I will go through there in the midday, moving very slowly, cow calling, sounding like a little group of cows moving through there, and now I'm really on high alert, watching for a bull sneaking in, even if they don't sound off. And if you wait till that 10, 11 o'clock, a lot of times they'll sound off. Right. Yes, I heard a lot of them. Heard a lot of them bugling in their beds. You know, right. once they get up there, they bugle all afternoon, all day. You know, and you know, while. you remember a lot of times you find this out by accident. Yeah, uh, there was uh, the year that Luis hit a bull. Yep, and hit the bull first thing in the morning, <clears throat> and it ended up being one of those tracking jobs. Ended up being one of those tracking jobs that we were tracking that bull from daylight. Uh, when he shot the bull, all the way in, I think it was like 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. we're in an area in the thick, hadn't heard anything all this time that we're tracking, and all of a sudden, this herd bull starts blowing up, bugling, and all of a sudden, another bull starts bugling. It's 11, 30, 12 o'clock, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's when we started our hunt with other guys going after them. In, in the dark cover in the middle of the day. So yeah. it can be such prime time up there. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people really miss out on some of the best days to hunt or best time of the day to hunt. If it's a low-use area, then when I talk about transition areas, it's those areas between those bedrooms and where they're going to feed those areas that are not as thick as that dark cover, but they feel comfortable moving through those trees. And there's, that's the areas that they're going to be drifting down through before they get to the open parks, the meadows or their feed areas. That's the transition areas. Those ones that border right around that bedroom. And that's the low use area. That's the low use area. Yeah. So if it's, if it's a low use area, I don't want to, the reason I'm saying I don't go into that bedroom at that time is that, I can pretty much count on them Being using that, going mm-hmm. back and forth. But if it's a low-use area and you start going through places like that, 
they'll go find, they'll go right over that ridge and they'll find another area to start bedding down. Whereas a lot of those elk in those high use areas are used to getting bumped. Yeah. So they don't get as boogered as Yeah. Much. And I would think in a low use area, you know, the bull will have more of a tendency to leave the herd and mm-hmm. find water and just feed. Right. Because he's not used to any activity in that area. Sure. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you can find a wallow <clears throat> that's on the perimeter of a bedroom, you are in high cotton because yeah. that's a great place to be during the midday and those bulls come in to cool themselves off, get some water, get some mud, eat some of that green grass around there. So that, that's really good. Um, if you do get the opportunity to bed down a bull, then you want to get at that bull's elevation or a little bit above him before you try calling him in at midday. And again, start with non-passive stuff, okay? If he is sounding off and you can locate him just with a, with a passive bugle, then as you get in tight, try that cow call first because now he's like, he knows where his cows are and he's, here's another one that's with another bull. You know, or you can kind of give some rutting sounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can create the, the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, before you know it, the whole woods will blow up on you. There you go. So it can be magical, you know, at that time of day. Sure. Joe, have, sure. You, ever, have you ever documented how many bulls you killed in the morning, midday, or evening? You know. You documented that? People have asked me that a lot, especially guiding. People are like, do you have – better luck in the morning, better in the evening. I'll tell you, I like the morning better than the evening. I I stress in the evening because it brings a whole new variable in (laughs) is that when you shoot an animal, now it's getting dark. And, you know. Well, you got to deal with other elements too. The dark, bears, you know, coyotes, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. I've never worried tracking an animal. I I, you know, I don't live in Montana. I don't live in. Yeah, we don't have grizzlies. I don't have grizzlies. And I've never had issue with a black bear being aggressive coming in when I'm on a kill. I've never had that happen. I'm knock on wood. I don't want it to ever happen, (laughs) but, Mm, but I've never had that happen. Um, But just with the whole issue of night and then, you know, it, sometimes it makes you rush a little bit when you shouldn't. Sometimes it's better to back off on something if you don't know exactly where your hit is. Uh, but we've done that. In fact, Chav, uh, I was just reading a story he was writing today um, about a bull that he hit that we backed off on. And because it it zipped the paunch some and let out that, by the time we got to that bull the next day, it was half devoured. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah, between you know, the coyotes and the bears. The Venezuela Mafia, they have a deal. They call it the rules of Beto, and they're talking about <laughs> me. You know, I've got like a two-hour minimum, you know, uh, if I hit something, even if I watch it fall. Uh, I've been on some other ends of some really rough deals of us pushing a few animals that got up that we thought had hit, were really good hit, but we got them up. And I'm telling you, you get an elk up that's the size of a – Clydesdale horse and they have lungs or big oh, sure. 10. No, it, they can go a long way and cover a ton of ground and leave very little sign doing it. Uh, so they're beasts. 
they, they are really the, are. They they're are the most beasts. majestic animal. I think one of the toughest. You know, we have some tough animals down here in Texas, the wild uh, Russian pigs, and then we got the nail guy down here. But I don't think any of I think they all pale in comparison to the – Yeah, I think, the, you know, you have those ramped up the, trucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the will to live of a Rocky Mountain elk. It's, it's I, amazing. Yeah, I think if I made a truck, it'd be elk tough. But yeah, you know, Chav and I this past year, I, I made a, a long shot on a bull, and I knew I hit him, and but I couldn't tell exactly where I hit him. I heard the bull fall. I heard the bull gurgling, and uh, I told I looked at Chav and said, "Let's go." He goes, "Really? You?" Want I'm like, "We're out of here, dude. We're we're gonna come back, and he's gonna be dead as a hammer laying over. We're not gonna push him." And I. You know, he was pretty stiff when we walked up there. I bet he was dead in 20 minutes. But at the right. end of the day, I'm not going to push that animal. Same thing no. when I killed the big bull. You know, we sat down and ate for an hour and a half before we ever even went <coughs> to look for him. Cause, and that bull fell in 55 feet. Well, but, that's one of the things that night worries me about. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. when you start doing that, sometimes you get in this, I don't know. I, I don't know if you want to call it panic mode, but there's something that. No, I've been there. You know what I'm saying? Mm, and anxiety. Yeah. It's and a lot of anxiety. So you, uh, you know, you start tracking it sometimes and, and you can blow that animal out. Uh, and I, I just, I just, the whole night thing, but yet I've killed a lot of bulls in yeah. the evening. Yeah. You so know? I'm half and half right now. And half usually half. when, uh, when the darkness is ascending, <laughs> right, you know, you're like, oh, there he is, and it's going to get be dark in just a few minutes. Yeah. So, how do you approach the evening hunt? So, my evening hunt is pretty much just the opposite of what my morning hunt is because now the bulls are <clears throat> up high and they're they're working down. Uh, so, I don't like to waste any of the hunt. Like, like you said, we've already been hunting midday, right? Yep. So I want to hunt <coughs> and utilize that time between that midday and that magic hour when they pop out. Now, a lot of times when they pop into open or pop into their feed, it's going to be that last 45 minutes before, you know, mm -hmm. legal shooting light. Yes. Or if it's <clears throat> been hot, if it's been, if there's a full moon, it's going to be the last 15 minutes. And so I have a lot of people, I hear them complaining and said, well, they're not coming out until this time or that time. Well, if they're not coming out, go in after them. So where I like to be hunting is I like to be in those transition areas to that lower third to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I'm moving from my midday area in that transition down to that, to that lower third right in there or from that third, in between the third and the park, still in the trees. You know, oh, and for people that when I say parks, it's synonymous with meadows. <laughs> Field. I, yeah. yeah. When I say feed, it could be a different kind of feed, different areas. It could be a burn area. Uh, it could be an oak brush area because, uh, you know, it, that uh, burn area is not an open park. But, man, it could. I love burns, y'all. Love burns. Okay. Um, so. In the evening, I want to be in the trees hunting because that's where the elk, you're going to hear those elk when they start sounding off from the top and when they start coming down and coming out of their bedroom and they're, and they're talking as they're coming down. Why be all the way at the bottom 
when you can be in there and, and hit them and mm -hmm. cut them off. And the one who usually be bad if you're at the bottom. Right. Well, if you're at the bottom, they're coming down because they have the thermals in, in their favor. Right. So by me being a, on that lower third up there and I hear them, now I can move up to their elevation and, and use that wind so that thermal's going perpendicular to me and get into that right. animal. Okay. So, <clears throat> and I'm going to be there. I'm going to hunt till dark. You know, and sometimes past it, you know, we've sat on some animals where we couldn't get out of there. They were so close to us that we had to, we had to stay a little past it, you know? Yeah. Wait till they got out, out of the area just so that we knew they were going to be there when we got back in the morning. And mm -hmm. that's, what's really nice is, is if you're going out in the dark and you get to a high point, now you get a chance to do some night calling, locate where they're at, where they've gone down to, and, and you're set for the next morning. You know, so that's how I, that's how I, my strategy for my morning, my midday, and my evening. So what I've given you guys out there is I, I've given you what my goal is, what rules I use for that, what type of call sequence I use. And sometimes in that call sequence, like when I talked about cow calling, mm -hmm. you guys have been with me is when I'm moving, I don't, sometimes I, it's not just one cow call. I try to sound like a herd moving through. Mm -hmm. So I'll throw my calls with my grunt tube in different ways and without my grunt tube. So it, yeah, 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 yeah. So it sounds like there's a herd moving through. Right. And again, elk noises that are different from what they normally hear are going to help your cause. Yep. It's going to help convince them. Right. Right. Cause a herd, uh, you know, you hear five, six different, different call calls. Right. And, uh, and even the bugles vary some. Right. So it's uh, pretty amazing, you know, when you get close to an elk herd and it has a calming effect. Sure. Yeah. Now, now Gilbert, when you were asking about pre-rut <clears throat> and rut strategies, where that comes in though, is if you take a look at my goals of locating work in the wind, cutting the distance and determining attitude, it's when you get to that determining attitude stuff. Yeah. That at that point is where I can start figuring what that bull situation is. You know, that's like when I first locate the bull, uh, when I locate it and I'm cutting the distance, well, when I locate it and I'm figuring how the wind is, I'm also trying to determine what that bull's doing which way he's moving, which way he's going, is he staying put, is he moving up in the morning, uh, what is happening, is he hearing another bull, is he responding to me or is he responding to another bull, and uh, so when that stuff happens, you know, it kind of helps me to determine what their attitude is, if I start hearing other bulls coming from other directions, then I want to change a little bit of what I'm doing because there might be an opportunity for me to go silent and then let the other bulls, you know, aggravate that guy and get him sounding off so mm -hmm. that I can now get in and close the distance and really get in his bubble. Yep. Joe, do you, do you use the moon phase too in your preparation for the morning or evening hunt too, if you know we're going to be on a dark moon or a, a full moon uh, you know, so many guys say they hate hunting a full moon. I've I've been just the opposite. I've had good luck hunting a full moon. So, anyway, well, uh, well if if there is a full moon, those animals are going to be more active at night, mm -hmm. and 
it really gives you a chance for night calling and it gives you a chance depending on, you know, when people say they have a full moon, <clears throat> you need to look for the rise instead of that moon That's because, right. <clears throat> you know, there's times when it goes dark before, you know, uh, before mm-hmm. it, it could be real bright at one point and it's dark halfway through or something like that. Yeah. So take a look at that. But what's going to happen with a full moon is those animals are going to go in earlier and they're going to come out later. So now that is really going to make me focus on my midday hunt. Yeah. You know that, or hunting those transition areas or being in those third areas, either that upper third or that lower third. So that I'm hunting animals before that last 15 minutes that they bust out into the open area. You know, I want to be where they're comfortable and where they're, where they're moving through. Well, so, that makes total sense. In, in all your strategies, Joe, though, Joe, do you, uh, do you ever find an op- opportunity where you have to kind of break your own rules? <laughs> you know, uh, live by the three, die by the three, huh? Let, you know. yeah. yeah, man, that's what them boys talk about all the time, the rules of Beto, don't break them. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, sometimes you got to go outside the box, Yeah. you know, and uh, th- there's times that – I should, and it's happened, you know, I, I think I told a story last time about a bull that I had in front of me, and I just tried to sound all lovey and everything like that, and he could care less, but, man, I just screamed uh, like a herd bull, and I thought about it afterwards, but I screamed like a herd bull, and all of a sudden, this guy comes trotting in. Chav had pictures of this guy, you know, on the hoof, coming in, and, and then uh, after I took the shot on him, he was right there on my shoulder. But as I thought about that, the whole reason that that bull at that time was not even concerned with another small bull was, again, it was just another small small bull saying, oh, here I am, I'm over here, and he he could care less. But once he heard a herd bull, he figures there's cows, there's an aggressive bull down, there's a mature bull, and he was going to go check that out, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of times I break my rules uh, and times I shouldn't break my rules that I get sloppy. I think all of us have a tendency sometimes um, we we get down mentally, you get tired sometimes, and you start, you know, not paying attention with your eyes, not paying attention with your ears. And I got news for you (laughs) that it only takes five minutes, man, and it, it can be the hottest day and you think you're never going to see an elk and yeah. you're tromping along and, and you have that bad attitude, that negative Nancy thing going on. And all of a sudden, man, you look up and there's a bull just down. Yeah. Oh <laughs> that's yeah. Happened, that's happened so many times. Right. Yeah. They're like, Oh, I'm not going to see anything. So you start walking faster and being mm-hmm. careless. And sure enough, there's, there it that, is. there's that bull looking at you and you're like, Oh, <laughs> and, you know, that's what I try to tell people all the time is, you know, understand man keep putting the work in keep putting diligent uh elk are where you find them and what can be empty today can be full tomorrow or it can be full in five minutes it only takes them uh, you've seen them go from one area to the other or go up a mountain and it takes them what takes them three minutes takes us an hour it's it's unbelievable it'll take me an hour maybe not you joe but it'll take me an hour so (laughs) So on extremely hot, hot days, yeah. do you do you change your strategy to be closer to water holes or? 
okay. So if if it's a if it's a dry year, you know, uh-huh. if, if it's a dry year, and we've had some real dry years, right? Definitely, water is key. Yeah, and that's where when people come up to you and say, "I haven't heard a thing for five days." <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I can tell you this: the the weather, the heat, the the moon, none mm-hmm. of that stuff determines the elk rutting. Mm-hmm. The, the elk rut because of elk coming in heat, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> those cows are going to come in estrus in that period, you know, seven to fourteen days, right around that equinox. Yeah. So it's that it's that shortness of the day that determines that equinox that determines those animals coming in heat and it's the amount of mature bulls in the area <clears throat> i i i learned this from a uh, a buddy of mine just the other day game biologist so we just did a mm-hmm. podcast on this Lance Pernall yeah. on our insights edition and you know it was great information because Lance was telling me how like on on those big ranches that don't get a lot of pressure, there's not a lot of cows coming into second and third estrus because there's so many mature bulls. They get the job done generally. Yeah, first thing. Yeah. yeah, they're they're real efficient at what they do, and mm-hmm. they usually get it done. But on those other areas where there's not that real high mm-hmm. uh, amount of mature bulls, uh, those cows are now going to hit those second and third estruses. So that rut can happen can at different. Yeah, you got some that you got some that'll pop early, but yeah. most of them are going to be in that that seven to fourteen day period, right around that equinox. So, you know, do you change how you hunt rutting elk because it's hot? No, they're still going to rut, but mm-hmm. they're going to go in the tree sooner. They're going to come out later. They're going to get the water. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to that water. They're going to get to those wallows, yep. you know. And yeah. also, I want to add that uh, they'll still come in at noon. Remember that one time we camped in the lower area? Uh, we just hunted in the morning, didn't have any success. So we were loading up the our uh, truck, and it's like 92 degrees. Yes. And I go, Joe, I thought I heard a bugle. He goes, huh? Oh. And then we kept continuing uh, packing the truck. And then I heard it again, and sure enough, uh, a big, giant six-by-six and a herd come right into a little waller near our area. And this was, I mean, it was super hot. Right. And it was a nice day for photographs (laughs) because he let me sit there and take pictures of him. But, uh, you know, if if it was about heat, uh, the elk down in southern New Mexico would never breed. (laughs) You know, and... And there's huge bulls down there, and, and they rut, and they rut when they, you know, mm-hmm. it's just they don't want to expend that energy. It's hard on them, and so they want to stay where it's cooler right? in, in those areas there. So the heat affects, like, places that you're going to have opportunities, and it kind yeah, of it takes, yeah, do more hunting in the trees and do more hunting during that, that midday period mm-hmm. up there because mm-hmm. they're going to be up in there. Makes sense, yeah. for sure. 
Well, guys, uh, I guess next week, you know, we're going to get done with this, but next week we'll be developing confidence on a rifle season strategy. You know, I want to let all our, our uh, elk brothers out there know to remember to subscribe, rate, and review. We don't mind if you throw us a five-star rating, that's for sure. You know, uh, I'm, I know that everybody's looking forward to the rest of the draw results. Good luck to all our elk brothers out there on their draw results. Yeah, because they're getting ready, uh, I think, May 11th, right, is right. when some of those states are hitting, and then all of a sudden all those Junes are hitting there. So there's going to be a lot of – a uh, lot of groans and a lot of applause out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of awe oh, and a lot of yay. Uh, yeah. But absolutely, we look look forward to hearing from all our elk brothers out there that did draw. And any any questions, again, guys, please remember that's uh, info at elkbros.com. We'd love to put you on the show and answer your questions uh, and keep the shout-outs coming for sure. But until next time, y'all keep grinding it out with us, and we'll see you next week. Peace, peace y'all. Have a good night. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.